Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. So I would also say one of the other bits of advice I give to youngsters, now to people at 25, 26, I've got a whole stream of them coming through the house. And they say, you know, what, what, do I, what do I do next? And I say, well, is there anybody in your business who you think is really, really good? And, and one or two of them say, no. I said, well, get, get out of that business then. Right? That's not that you've got to get out. Right? But I said, if the answer is yes, and they're going places, then what you need to do is you need to grab hold of the back of their shirt and basically go wherever they go. So you become invaluable to them. They, you become linked to them and they take you. And you'll learn so much and you'll proceed so much faster. Just I call it the shirt tail system. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Now, for those of you that have qualified as accountants or qualifying or got your finance professional qualifications and are perhaps thinking what it would like to go and become an entrepreneur or you maybe have an entrepreneurial streak, then this is a must-listen episode for you. You've just heard from this week's guest mentor, Graham Durgan. And I and seriously, I could just sit there and listen to Graham for, for ages. He's got so much fantastic experience. He's got some fantastic stories to share. And we begin with why he became an accountant in the first place and how that fed into him becoming an entrepreneur. We also go into his learnings from being an entrepreneur over the last 40 years, uh, the importance of listening to other people, trusting your own judgment, always having someone around to bounce ideas off and building the team that will work. So useful skills, not just if we're looking to run and, and have our own businesses, but also if we're looking to maybe better network cross-function or set up our own teams within our own corporate finance environments. And um, I also like the three things that uh, Graham lists in terms of considering how to get the right people on our team. So look, hope you enjoyed this episode too. If you did, you can go check out the key quotes, detailed timestamp show notes, ways to connect with Graham, and more information at sitnshow.com. And we always appreciate it when you recommend the show to colleagues. You can also subscribe at the main platforms out there, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. And really appreciate you investing your time with us today during these very crazy and uncertain times. So that's enough for me. So over to Graham and the show. So Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, look, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, but for some of our audience, maybe not as familiar with your background. So would you would you mind maybe sharing a bit for us about your journey in finance and indeed in your career? Uh, well, my I, I suppose my career... I haven't really had a career. I started, I qualified. So I was PwC qualified. I worked in audit. We specialized in financial services. So we did big accounts like the Bank of England, but smaller organizations, the stockbrokers and things. And then when I'd been there for a, for a few years, I left and I've probably been an entrepreneur now for about 40 years, uh, which means, of course, I've been useless at everything. <laughs> but every so often, we've managed to make a little bit of money and that's kind of kept us alive till we do the next one. The key has been that I've always worked with the most fantastic people and they've 
basically covered my backside on so many occasions. It's been fabulous. So look, uh, for, for a lot of uh, accounts listening, I think they probably had an entrepreneurial itch to go scratch. Um, may not have had the courage to do so. I mean, what made you take the jump from what is probably a very safe uh, career choice to becoming an entrepreneur? Well, to be honest, it was never a career choice to be an accountant. What happened was my I come from a kind of family of entrepreneurs that go back generations. And my father, as part of his kind of businesses, had an accountancy firm. And um, and he said to me, look, he said, I really you should go and be a barrister. You'll really enjoy that. But you're probably going to be entrepreneurial. And if you're going to be entrepreneurial, you need a safety net. And so qualify as an accountant and it'll it'll equip you for the future. And if necessary, you can come back and work in the firm. And actually, there was one stage where I did actually, things went a bit wrong. And I went back and, I, and he gave me a brown paper parcel and told me, here we are, there's a plum, set of plumber's accounts, I go and sort them out. And I pretty quickly <laughs> went and did something else. <laughs> and uh, I went and bought a company instead. And um, yeah. but it, but he, what it, and he was quite wise. He was really saying to me, look, you know, go, you're made to do, everybody's made to do different things. We've all got different skill, skill sets. Um, we're all good at doing some things and very bad at doing others. And so he was, he was quite wise, I think, in encouraging me to, uh, to go off and be, be as entrepreneurial as I could and find something that I could be really passionate about. His approach was always find something you really enjoy and you could really, and if you enjoy it, you'll probably be better at it. And if you're better at it, you'll probably be successful at it. And then just be the best person in the world at doing that particular thing. And, and uh, you know, like when, when you sort of, I mean, I do think that's fantastic advice, Graham. And, and, and if, you know, our audience latch on to that, I mean, what's been sort of like one of the more memorable encounters you've had as you've been sort of figuring out what it is that you enjoy doing, um, you know, when you started becoming more into the entrepreneurial side of things, like, you know, what would be a, a particularly good memory you had of of, uh, of an occasion on that? What, being entrepreneurial and things working? Yes, of things working, I guess. Yeah. I, I, or maybe I, not even working, because I can't imagine it works all the time, right? That's the that's the, the, the nature of the beast. I Actually, just to go back to the entrepreneurial piece, I also happen to believe that entrepreneurs are born. Right? They're, they, really? they're not really, I don't believe that, you, that entrepreneurs are really made. Goldman Sachs did a lot of research in this about, must be now 20 years ago they came to the same conclusion. And therefore, when they're looking who they back, they were, at that time, it might be different now, but at that time, they were saying, they were looking for, for a history of entrepreneurship in the family. And that then was oh. you know, on, in their box ticks. That was one of the things that encouraged them to back. The uh, moments in my life where I realized, oh my goodness, or whatever. I suppose one of the first companies I bought was a training business. And I back, I bought it with backing from venture capitalists. It was a management buy-in. I knew about training by then because I worked in training businesses, but I, I'd never actually done it myself as the, as the, the absolute outright owner. And I remember going up the stairs of this building on day one and thinking, oh my God, what have I done? And I, you know, I bought this company. And, then, and I remember thinking, you know, what are you supposed to do when you buy a company? Yeah. And, I, and, I remember th- and I remember thinking, well, actually, companies are all about people. So I'd better really get all the people together. That's the first thing. I'd actually, to be honest, behind the scenes, I'd already met each of the people, the key people in the business on a one-to-one basis, just very quietly before I actually started, because I knew that you know I wasn't actually going to buy the business unless I thought that there were people in there that was capable of working with. 
And there was, I remember there was one person in particular, and everybody said, you should know this person's no good. And I actually thought the person was actually quite good. So I made the decision early on that I was going to keep them. And actually, it worked out really well. And so then I learned, so I learned two things. I learned one, trust your own judgment, listen to other people. But at the end of the day, it's your call, it's your business. So don't be put off by people telling you that you're wrong. You've just got, you know, it's about a risk assessment. Later, I mean, I didn't at the time understand it was about risk investment, but I just thought it was making some sensible decisions. <laughs> the other thing is always find somebody around you to bounce ideas off. Mm. I've been married to my wife, Jane, now for 35, 36 years. And whenever I've bought a business or done anything, I always bring people back to, to meet her because she's oh. a really shrewd judge. Uh. Just somebody who you really rate and get them yeah. to have a look, just get them to glance their eye over people. And work out if they think that you can work together. You know, people can be brilliant. It doesn't necessarily mean they can work together. And I've always been really lucky because I've always been able to build my own teams. And I, I appreciate not everybody has is that fortunate. You know, lots of people can't. You know, they, they get put into a position and they inherit a team. Mm -hmm. But actually, that team has to become your team. And yes. you mustn't put off tough decisions. And if the tough decision means that actually, you know, somebody has to go, then they have to go. Um, and it's it's for everybody's best interest that that happens. And then you know, build a team that's going to work. And the, you know, the people who I've seen who are successful, not just in, from the accounting perspective, but from everywhere, are people who are good at building teams and good at understanding that those teams don't have to be every... I mean, they don't have to be people that you really get on with 100% of the time. You do need a little bit of tension in some of those teams because you do need yeah. to be challenged. But they have to be people who are going to support each other when the chips are down. And they will be. And, I mean, we're talking, we're recording this in the middle of, a, yeah. of an extraordinary yeah. time when we've got COVID-19 kicking off around the place. And this is where we'll find out who's old. Yeah, yeah I, th I think um, it's funny. We had, um, we had another guest mentor on the show, Graham, and, and actually he felt that, and they went through the, the swine flu epidemic, Mexico City, and he yeah. felt it was a great um, thing to happen. I know it sounds a weird thing to say, but, but it's a great thing to happen for the team because they came together. They had so much fun. They learned loads about each other. He saw that they were there for each other. Yes. Um, so, so these scenarios can be quite good. You know, it may not feel like it at the time. <laughs> I prefer to do it in a slightly different way. I was always, <laughs> I, w whenever we bought a company or built something, we, I've always had this feeling that you know, the first event that happens when you have to work through the night together, Whereas the leader, you have to be there the whole way through. And you'll then see who's there with you and who isn't and who disappears oh, off. You know, yeah. And you actually, that's when you start to build a team. You know, when people go through, you're right. I think the point you're making is if you go through stress together, then it builds, brings you closer together. I suspect that the COVID-19 thing is, is actually going to be horrendous for all of us. So I'm, I, frankly, I'm, you know, I just hope by the time you, you play this to somebody, I'm still alive. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, actually, yeah, that's um, yeah, that, I think a lot of maybe my children be watching well. this yeah. thinking, like, children watching think, oh, yes, that was him, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope we're not having to leave like I put an obituary in front of this when it does, you know, when it does go live, but no, well, it won't I, last I, very long. Yeah. If you do, so <laughs> that's fine. I don't I, I think I'm thinking about that, no, very interesting journey, but uh, Graham, but uh, no, I, I think I think that's a very valid point for our audience. So, when you sort of said, also said earlier, you've been very fortunate to surround yourself with great people i mean there's some of the filters you've been using so any other tips to, to surround yourselves with good people who are are going to be there and help each other and and you as well 
I think, yes, I, all I would say is that years ago, somebody told me, you know, if you, if you wanted a, a key little expression, some key thing, you know, little, little thing, somebody told me when you're recruiting people, they must satisfy three tests. And I said, what are those? And they said, you've got to like them, you've got to trust them, and then they've got to be able to do the job. And it's in that order, like, trust, do the job. Mm-hmm. Like, trust, do the job. And actually, whenever I recruit, people who work with me do go through exactly the same process. Like, trust, do the job. Like, trust, do the job. So, you know, that doesn't mean that people aren't going to be challenging to you. You can like people who are challenging to you. That's that's fine. You can like people who disagree with you. Um, you can like people who are a lot better than you, thank goodness, because actually that's the other thing. You know, recruit better the people who are better than you are. And then, I mean, obviously, you've got that whole thing about building a team. Something we haven't discussed is that I'm also the chairman of something called the Non-Executive Directors Association. The reason that I got involved in that is because I believe that if you have people who are themselves from a diverse background, and I'm not just talking here about male, female, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, language, I mean, a whole raft of differences. If you put people together with a, who come from a diverse background into a, into a discussion, you will get diverse thought and you will get better decisions as a result. And then the only thing you then need to bolt on the top of that, one of the other things that I learned early on is it's better to make decisions rather than to just carry on analyzing. I often think that uh, accountants tend to overanalyze. Mm-hmm. And it's often better to say, look, you know, we've got enough information and our gut tells us this. And actually our gut is simply acu- accumulated, is wisdom, which is accumulated experiences, both good and bad. And if you just bolt that lot together, you will decide which way you need to go and then do it. You know, don't wait. Don't think, oh, well, you know, it might get better or something else might happen or that person might change or that client's going to make give us an order, which they said they'll give us, but it you know, hasn't happened for a year. It's not going to happen. So just make some decisions, both good and bad. Don't over Don't get, what's that expression? Don't get paralysis through analysis. Interestingly, one other thing, if I had my time again, would I have qualified as an accountant? And it's a really interesting, mm. uh, really interesting question because it's been incredibly helpful to me. I understand finance. I understand nobody can ever hopefully pull the wool over my eyes with in respect to numbers. But at the same time, it does teach you to be very prudent. It does teach you to perhaps overanalyze and to be too risk averse. So it is inter- It is an interesting one because, like, like yourself, there. Graham, when you mentioned teams and diversity of thought. So I just look at my own team at, at Dell, right? We've got 10 different nationalities. There's 12 of us, um, the, the good mix of male, female orientations and so on. Uh, and and they you know seem to work very well together. But there's only one accountant and it happens to be me. I've not hired any accountants. And that's, that's an interesting point you raise is like, is there a value in being an accountant? There are some some good traits, but in this day and age, I mean, is you sort of you know, looking at it being an entrepreneur, qualified accountant, you know, where where would the roles be for accountants and finance professionals nowadays? Interestingly, I when I studied in my exams and things, people thought it was far more important. I learned about executorship and I learned about strategy. Hmm. Strategy in my exams, you go back to when I qualified, which is now what forty years ago. Today it is. So I actually think that the accountants of today are a lot better equipped than than I was um, in in my career, and and I see that through the non you know, the non executive directors. We talk about four things. We talk about boardroom, 
you know, non-executive directors have to focus on four things, strategy, risk, people, performance, strategy, risk, people, performance. Now, have you got the right strategy? The other thing is not to overcomplicate things. So strategy is analysis, choice, implementation. It's no more complicated than that, right? The the risk stuff, just draw that simple little cross grid, yeah. you know, is it, is it going to happen? Is it going to have a big impact? If it is, you better know about it, right? Yeah. Let's not overcomplicate it. People, you know, have you got the right people in the right people, places? And my little rule on that has always been, you will have key people in your in your organization. They're not always the people at the top. You know, that's not, they're not necessarily key people. They're people all through the business. And what's your plan if any of them go? You know, if they go under a bus or something like that, how are you going to sort, sort that out? And so, so it's just, you know, simp- I, I've always wanted to form a company actually called Cut the Crap. And, um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I and I tried to I actually tried to register it about five years ago. They wouldn't let me have it because I, because I had this I had I had this idea for some you know some training courses and some some simple little booklets and some things which basically cut the crap. This is what you need to do in business, and that's what we're trying to do in the non-executive directors association. Actually, is to say cut the crap. You know, it's not it's not that complicated. And I, I sat on a call two days ago. And, oh my god. You know, this is at a stage where we've got people sacking people left, right, and centre. We, we don't understand what the government grants are going to be for us, et cetera, et cetera. Then people were talking about um, what the policy advice should be to banks and such and such. I just thought, you know, that's not what it's about at this stage. Let's just cut the crap and get to the point. And the point is this. That's, and I suppose that's always been my approach to life as well. We don't want long meetings. We want to get on with life. 100%. I just try to think, like, if, I think we have a role then as accountants and finance professionals to play in that, right? Because we tend to like simple things, things that add up, things that go in the right place. We, we must have a role in that to help organizations cut the crap, right? Yes, absolutely. And interesting, in the mentor, we also run a mentoring business. And in our mentoring, executive coaching, but anyway, <laughs> in, that, in, in, in that business, we help people, we, we really grow, help people transform their lives. And and we use the, the simple old mnemonic I grow, you know, have you, what's the information? What are the goals? Is it realistic? What are the options? What will you do? Very simple. And again, cut the crap. That's what it's about. That's not overcomplicated. But one of the key things we do, we, we've taken some young financial professionals and we've effectively helped them transform themselves and, and grow, go up very fast through very large companies, including competitors to Dell. And, then the, and they've made it through to the FD slot in a very short space of time. And, and one of the ways we did that was to say, look, cut the crap. Why are you producing information? Why are you producing this stuff? What, you know, who actually wants to use it and why do they want to use it? And they go, well, my boss wants to use it in this way. I said, forget your boss. Your boss is going to take your information and tell it, say it to someone else. So it's got to be for his boss. Oh, well, yeah, well, his boss probably looks at it. Yeah, I said, no, no, now forget his boss and take it up two more levels. Now what are people looking for? Ah, well, they want to know this or that. I said, well, does your does your report satisfy the this or that? Does your pr- little short presentation satisfy? If it doesn't, you're going to fail. Yeah. So basically, you know, you don't want anything on your slides changing and people changing it. It's got to be your thing. You own it. You're the person that goes in the room. You'll get noticed. Get up there. And then people come to me. I'm sorry, I'm waffling a bit now, but no, no. can I carry on for a bit? Yeah, go on. Okay, Fire so- away. This is a great example. So I would also say one of the other bits of advice I give to youngsters, now, to people who are 25, 26, I've got a whole stream of them coming through the house. And they say, you know, what, what, do I, what do I do next? And I say, well, 
is there anybody in your business who you think is really, really good? Mm-hmm. And and one or two of them say, no. <laughs> I said, well, get, get out of that business then. Yeah. Right? That's not that you've got to get out. Right? But I said, if the answer is yes, and they're going places, then what you need to do is you need to grab hold of the back of their shirt and basically go wherever they go. So you become invaluable to them. They, You become linked to them and they take you. And you'll learn so much and you'll proceed so much faster. Just, I call it the shirt tail system. Basically, just, <laughs> just go with that person. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I don't think anyone, again, when you sort of said cut the crap, I think that's just very good direct advice. Um, and I wish I'd done that first bit, that yes or no, I didn't f- see anyone. And then I moved companies and I did find someone and it was great, you know, and it was the best yeah. thing I did. So that's very powerful advice. The other one then is sort of thinking those couple levels ahead, right? I can just sort of see our, our audience, where would I start with something like that? Like, you know, because they could be like in their 20s or, or late 20s and thinking, I don't know what that person's thinking. I think I know what the answer yeah. is, but I, I, you know, I've got to ask you the question, where would they start in terms of thinking two, three, four levels up? Where could they start? That's why you need to find yourself a mentor or a coach. You need to find yourself somebody who's been through that process and has kind of worked their way up and, and knows what that person's thinking. I, years ago, I, I had businesses in the training publishing world for 30 odd years, and that's been fantastic because the other thing that gives you is I change people's lives. So every time I go to work, I'm actually helping to transform people. And that's just fabulous. It's wonderful. It means I do what I enjoy doing. So actually, I never do any work because you know, <laughs> my whole of my life is fun. No, it's true. It's completely true. If I'm, you know, you know because I've, we've discussed it previously, that you know, I spend my life skiing and riding horses and sailing and, and, and shooting things and basically having a lot of fun. But actually, while I'm doing that, I mean, my phone's always in my ear. Interestingly, this COVID-19 stuff hasn't had any impact on my businesses because we've been re- working remotely for 40 years in one form or another because we just think people should be trusted, basically. And we get together for the social events and when we need to get together, et cetera, et cetera. This idea that... So I think there's you, one needs to find a mentor, somebody who you respect, who will give you advice and who you can ask the, the silly questions of and who will really understand you and can say, oh, are you sure? I mean, maybe I, should, I wouldn't do it that way. I mean, you know, if you think it's right, go and do it. But I would, have you thought about doing this yeah. instead? And it can be very easy. If you look at, if you, I act as chairman of a couple of things. And if you look into a business, it's very easy to see what needs to happen. It might not be so easy to implement what needs to happen, but you can at least see it. And often the, the, the problem around implementation is people and it's being prepared to address the issue. So on my screensaver, it's very apt at this time, actually, my screensaver for years has said, face the issue, be positive and don't run out of cash. <laughs> I, th- I think on that last one, I think all of our listeners can appreciate that one. <laughs> well, I mean, today, that's the absolute, incredible, that's the focus, isn't it? It is the focus. Yeah. Graham, look, look, some fantastic advice in there. And I really appreciate the focus on mentoring as well. I mean, that's fundamentally what this show is about, is is, is linking people these great bits of advice. I mean, in terms of yourself, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Years ago, somebody said to me, JFDI. (laughs) And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, just do it. And I said, hang on, it's got an air. Oh, I said, okay, I get it. But JFDI, just do it. 
And, and if some of our international audience want to know what the F is, just message us and, uh, and I can yeah. um, fill you in on that bit. <laughs> so so no, I, I do agree with you. I actually think that's very, it, again, it cuts through the crap, get get to the bare essential, just go and do it and then and adjust if you need to. Um, I wanted to summarize it, right? So I've got cut the crap, right? Understand. I, I would say, actually, I mean, cutting through the crap, there are some basic stuff that you need to, to know actually to be able You've got to be equipped to do it. Yes. People who truly understand something and say it very succinctly. And therefore, you must truly understand. We call it in our training thing, we talk about deltas and we talk about them being delta skills. And they're actually key skills. And they are, you must understand the knowledge of being, you must understand how to be a leader. You must understand how to sell and negotiate. For example, in negotiation, you must understand the primary skill of negotiation is silence. The, you must under, you must understand how to coach and mentor people. But you must understand how to present and communicate effectively. And you must understand strategy and how to set it and, and how to communicate it very simply and effectively. And those are basic skills. We're talking to the finance community. If I was talking to the legal community, I'd add on the back of that one, you must understand finance. And there are other things as well. Uh, for example, marketing is slightly different to selling and negotiating. But frankly, if you understand selling, at least you'll be some of the way there. And over, over the years, when we take over a business, we always talk to people about making certain that everybody in the organization doesn't, if it's, say, got 400 people, we'll split them into two groups of 200 and just talk to them for two hours about each of those skills. And that way you get everybody, and I mean everybody, I mean the person who's on the reception desk through to the person at the top, because everybody has a role. They're not necessarily going to be the salespeople, but they may well be supporting those salespeople, and therefore they need to understand what they're trying to do. So it's a, it's a simple cascade approach. I, I think no, it's, it's, it's very powerful. If I was to simp- simplify that in an example, there's that story, isn't there, where someone's walking along and they asked another person, what are they doing to workmen? And they say, oh, I'm, I'm laying bricks. They work, walk further down. They ask the next person, say, I'm building a cathedral. Same person yeah. doing the same job, but the other person understands why they're doing it and why they need yes. to know it. So I can sort of see the power in what you're saying. I just don't think many many businesses would, would invest, I don't know, 200 people. I decide uh, it's a 400, two lots of 200, uh, and go and get them to understand the why. But very powerful, right? It's very powerful. And you can do it through webinar or face-to-face. And yeah, it's a way of it, essentially it's sheep dipping the whole organization in core knowledge. Mm. And then in not mm. skills, core knowledge. And then you then you, you mentor and coach the people at the very top, which is what good people do anyway. And that approach of mentoring and coaching cascades down through the whole organization and then means that the knowledge gets applied in the appropriate way for that organization. That's very powerful. Interestingly, I, we, we do a lot of work with accounting networks around the world. And the one word that applies in them at the moment is consistency. Now, if, even in some of the businesses I've been working for, uh, advising, they, you know, they might have, uh, we, we might be, a, say, a, a FinCap business. And we might have operations, we're very small, but we might have operations in six places around the world. We, do, we want consistent advice and service from those six places. If we don't get it, we get frustrated. And it's very difficult to actually get that. And so consistent, the next challenge for the, for the profession, for the accounting networks, is going to be consistent service and advice internationally and to the same standard. And that's different. But it's difficult because PwC, for example, is 150 separately owned businesses under one franchise brand. 
And it works because they have huge amounts of referral fees that go between them. And therefore, there's a vested interest in hanging together. If you get down into the, to the next tier, if you get down into the, the BDOs, GTs, you know, then you're talking about much lower levels of, fr- of, of franchise uh, referrals. Yeah. They get below that and you get almost none. The only other business outside the big four who, who are locked in through franchise is actually Mazars. Who, which is a, an integrated partnership. That's one partnership around the world. So that's got a good base yeah. as well. But if you are a finance professional out there and you're thinking who you give your work to internationally, I would argue that you have to look for consistency. And if you are a network out there planning for the future, I would argue that you have to be planning for consistency. And actually, it's, Sorry, it's, we've got no, we've got off mentoring. I know, I know, no, but I, I coming back, that is actually a corporate. I remember sitting in my first ever accounting lecture and the lecturer saying consistency is a key principle of accounting. And I think that's something we should appreciate, right? So that consistency, that consistency of service, I think, I think yeah. that's that's an advantage we have. We know what we know what consistency should look like. It's more on the execution side, is making sure it happens. And again, accounting's about keeping people accountable as well, uh, not just recording the transactions, keeping people accountable. So I think yes. that's something we could definitely help with. So no, it's um, no, no, it's a, I appreciate raising the point, Graham. And, you know, if um, if some of our audience wishes to connect and continue the conversation further. Um, where's the best place to connect with you at? If you want to connect with me through for the non-executive directors world that I, I operate, then come to somewhere called NEDA Global, N-E-D-A global.com. If you want to come through me through the um, through the training world, then we have a business called Emil Wolf, very old brand, goes back to 1976. Yeah, that's E-W-I Um, Either of those. And I'm very happy to talk to anybody about anything. So please do, please, you know, please, please just, I, I hope everybody listening to this will, if you want to reach out to me and um, I love talking to new people. So that would be, it would be fabulous. And thank you very much indeed for hosting, hosting this one. Hey, hey no, look, hey, Graham, it was our pleasure. And look, I, I joined our chat previously as well. Um, you just got so many great stories and it was just a great opportunity to share them with our audience today. Uh, just some of them, just a snippet of them. But uh, I suppose uh, as we're wrapping up, would you ha- happen to have any parting thoughts for our audience? My parting thought is, is, is stay, stay, particularly in these times, stay safe, stay well, and JFDI. <laughs> Love it. What a way to wrap up. Graham, thanks for being such a great guest on the Strength in the Number show. We've, I've thoroughly enjoyed being here. Thank you very much for inviting me. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. 
And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week, take care, and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.